Good morning, cricket fans. I say welcome to everyone listening to the Catch It podcast. This is our fourth episode, and today I have an absolute treat for everyone listening. I have the Central Sparks and the Birmingham Phoenix women's analyst on Alice Dixon, who has just accepted a full time contract to work as the Sheffield United Academy's performance analyst. Alice, how are you doing today? I'm very well, Lushy. How are you? Brilliant. I'm absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much for coming on. And it's much, it's very exciting to, I was very excited to see your new position at Sheffield United. How have you, how have you found the new role and how have you found your cricket experience? Obviously, obviously you've worked for Sheffield for quite a while. How have you found being a performance analyst in football? And are there any transferable skills you find that come across into your cricket work as well? Yeah, so it's it's been very full on. It's been good fun. Um, I can imagine. It's it's a very different environment to cricket, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, your cricket stuff is all very. Um, I I don't want to go for the term laid back, <laughs> but um, I guess the the atmosphere in the two sports are very very different. Um, no. But like you say, there are a lot of transferable skills. So all of your statistical analysis and stuff transfers really really well. Anything that's really numbers heavy. Um, in football can transfer straight into cricket because yeah. as you and I both know your stats are um, nice. <laughs> stats are everywhere in cricket aren't they so Absolutely. yeah it becomes it comes very handy at times but obviously there are some massive differences in Mass- massive differences in being, being more of a free-flowing sport versus cricket is very much broken down into segments do you find that a bit more challenging than in terms of it's quite easy to break up cricket into individual balls and overs yeah, I guess so. And I think that's one of the things that one of the skills that's kind of helped, I guess, in football. So being able to like contextualise football better, mm. um, I can use kind of my cricket skills in breaking up a game mm. um, in football as well. So we'll we'll do some like block analysis of football where we'll split a game up into 15 minute blocks rather than just look at a whole half. You can look at how like momentum and intensity will shift throughout um, a game in 15 minute intervals rather than looking at the game as a whole I guess in the same way yeah like in the same way you use phases in cricket almost yeah absolutely that that's in, that's incredible how you brought brought bringing in you haven't got them talking about a power play in the first first 10 20 minutes though I'm guessing that doesn't exactly translate <laughs> No, not quite, unfortunately. No, not quite. And so this year was your first year with the Birmingham Phoenix uh, women's team. How was it to be the analyst with the Australians and New Zealanders like Sophie Devine and Elise Perry and Sophie Molyneux in your team? How was that experience for you as an analyst? It was incredible. I think I've done a couple of seasons with Sparks beforehand. So I was kind of finding my feet in the analysis world in cricket. And I was like, this is a massive opportunity that would be really, really cool to take. And like you say, some of the massive, like the biggest names in women's cricket, we were fortunate to have in um, in our Birmingham Phoenix side and the influence that they had on the whole vibe, the atmosphere, um, just the whole squad dynamic in general was really, really good fun to be around. No, that that's absolutely class. I can imagine. I remember when I first when I was involved in the first year of the hundred, and I walked into a room. We had Harmon Preet Kaur, Sophie Eccleston, and Liz L. Lee on the front row 
of our team meeting and I was like, oh gosh, this is intense, but it's a it's a fun challenge and it's the excitement that we we get to working with the with the best players in the game, which has been fun. Yeah, no, definitely I can I just share that feeling. <laughs> Quickly jump we'll jump into your kind of game changers and your um your young gun in a moment. But what was your what was your highlight of the tournament? Sorry, I haven't I haven't asked you to prepare this. So I'm putting Alice a bit on the spot here. But what was your highlight of last season? And what was your maybe kind of a moment to reflect on or a moment of kind of you felt you got a bit of personal development out, maybe a, a down moment or maybe a winning moment? They're kind of wrapped up in the same one. So our our make or break point in the season um was that game against London Spirit where if we yes. won we got through to the knockout stages of the competition. Obviously, mm. if we lost, then it was tournament over. Yeah. And um, my highlight and my kind of like learning point was kind of in the same moment. So whilst that game was going on, um, I was sat in the dugout with the coaches, which is something I personally found really interesting in the 100, that the analysts were right up close with the team, able to help make decisions rather than being tucked away in a dark room somewhere <laughs> watching a screen. Um, but yeah, no, so I had the opportunity to feedback live information to our coaching staff to then feed that information onto the pitch and make decisions as to our batting and bowling matchups as our opposition were coming out, as the opposition were coming out to bat. So have been able to have that influence over a game and using my analysis in that way was a massive highlight. But at the same time, even though we were doing well, taking wickets, the batting half of our performance unfortunately let us down and um, meant that we had a lot of reflecting and learning to do after that game as to how we didn't make it make it into the um, knockout stages. It's uh, it, Franchise cricket and especially competition cricket can get really brutal really fast. That's really interesting to hear, Alice, to be fair. And if anyone who doesn't know exactly what we do on a, an away game and a home game... Um, at home game, the home analyst will code live code the match and the away analyst will actually, they don't have to live code, which then opens them up to, as Alice was just talking about, doing that in-game live analysis. And that's really interesting to hear how how you used it on that game. But I say it didn't exactly pay off, but it's it's a human sport. It's cricket. It's it, The plan doesn't always go to plan. Am I right? Absolutely, yeah. Bit bittersweet, but yeah, still yeah. good experience nonetheless. No, absolutely. Right. Well, I say thank you for that, Alice. I, I did not tell you at all we, I was going to drop in with some of those questions. So very good sport for actually answering them in the way that you did. We'll jump straight into your game changer. And who Who is your game changer for this week in the WBBL? Well, I, having followed the competition for a little while, um, there's some big key names out there and I was tossing up between a few names mm. but I did settle on Beth Mooney in the end um absolutely. absolutely undeniable character within the women's big bash so you can't can't not give her a mention mm, absolutely tell me a bit about why is Beth Mooney one of the names that just comes straight to your head well firstly I'm part of the left-handers club so any classy left-handed batter that's out there I'm like absolutely um I'm all for it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But her record speaks for itself. I mean, recently, I think she was one of the, either the first or one of the first to pass 4,000 runs in the Big Bash, which in eight seasons is 
incredible, like an incredible record. Um, just churning yeah. out runs. She's a run machine. It's crazy. Yeah. No, abs- absolutely. But I say she started at the Brisbane Heat and then for the last two seasons, she switched over to the Perth Scorchers and has pair- paired up with another, another Birmingham Phoenix or both of those Scorchers players was on that fateful day at Lords for you, for you and your learning moment and best moment in your kind of career so far. So what, what do you think in terms of having that incredible opening partnership that the Scorchers had last year of Divine and Beth Mooney? They just looked unstoppable from one year back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at them, look at them both, like obviously we're talking about Beth Mooney, but you look at them both, they're just genuine like 360 players mm. and they don't have to, at no point do you think they're taking high risk, playing high risk cricket. Like they just look so comfortable at the crease, scoring all around the ground. Um, and not to bring it back to the hundred again, but obviously when we prepped for for London Spirit and looking at Beth Mooney, she was one of the few players that like when you look really deep into her stats, you still can't find any flaws. Like you go through layer and layer and layer of different insights you could try and go through. And I was sat down with one of the men's analysts and we literally could not find a single fault or area to target with Beth Mooney's game because it is just watertight mm. all around, all around top class. Just one of those players that has just knows women's T20 cricket and has adapted through the different phases of the game. And just to have that long prolonged success in the women's game as it's been changing, as kind of scoring rates have increased over time, as they're looking to play more aggressive early, she is being that opener for Australia and for the various franchises that she has played for, that is just, just you, you need to have just a moment of luck or something to go slightly away to get out a player like that, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. I think there's some players where if you get them out cheap or get them out early, you're just breathing that massive sigh of relief and Beth Mooney definitely comes under that category because you know that if you give her one chance, then you're going to live to regret it. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. I was just looking at her record. And this year, she's averaged 43 and had got three fifties. But Divine has slightly had a bit of a poorer season and has only averaged 16. And the, the reason I talk so much about Divine and Mooney, as I'll go on to explain in a minute, but their partnership really rocketed the Perth Scorchers last year into that final and winning the last season's um the WBBL 07 title. So I'll just backtrack a little bit, but Divine hasn't kind of scored those and she scored no 50s in this year. Do you reckon that would have put more pressure on Mooney to kind of go out there and, or do you reckon she's the kind of player that she kind of takes it in her stride and just gets, gets on with her business, whatever the situation? I think a record even from this season has shown that she can still crack on. Like regardless, I think she may have felt a bit of pressure from... Um, so for not scoring as many runs, but I think she still managed to pile on the runs and it just shows that even if you've got one top class batter at your top order, you can't do it all yourself. You can't put all of that on one player and having that dynamic between the two of them is obviously key to their success. And without that this year, they've clearly seemed to struggle not making it through to through to finals. No, absolutely. And just, just to put in context, last year, 
when they made the finals and then made and won the competition between Divine and Mooney, they they scored as a pair six fifties and two hundreds together, and they just were just so dominant. And I feel like it's been it's been quite hurt. Well, we're going to bring it. Have me and Alice mentioned that we were hundred analysts <laughs> as as I bring it back to the hundred again. But she just she, in a similar way to the Perth Scorchers this year. It's been a bit of a one woman team when she was in London Spirit. She scored that incredible top score of the highest score ever by a woman player in the hundred and ninety seven not out against I think it was the Southern Brave, and she scored two fifties. But she was the only real person, real person that kind of stood up in that London spirit line. You you've got to think that you just had to. It's it's interesting that T Twenty cricket is such a team game that you can have that kind of superstar, but not but need that kind of success in your middle and lower order, even if your open is going at that going at that kind of success rate. Absolutely, yeah. It just makes you think like when someone like Mooney is so reliable and consistent, if you paired another batter that you could think, oh, they could really kick on to the two of them together, like that Divine and um, Mooney partnership from last season's Big Bash, then it's almost a recipe for success, isn't it? Mm. But clearly shows no matter what competition you're playing in, you can't have your one-woman show trying to score all the runs. No, I 100% agree with you there. It's... T20 cricket and 100 cricket is very much, you can't just have that one incredible player. You've got to at least have two or three and that those that later order help that she hasn't seemed to had always. There has been flickers of it. For example, um, early on in the tournament, Piper Cleary put in some really good innings. And I think Alana King, another Perth scorcher, has been showing really good back-end success. So even though it hasn't worked out slightly for Beth Mooney and the Perth Scorchers this year, there's a lot of promise. And I think she's still going to be, she seems like she's just going to keep on going. She's been going as long as anybody in the women's game. But if you watched her in the hundred, you can just see that desire and passion behind the stumps as well, just to keep going and keep just racking on runs. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you say, behind the stumps as well, she's like a massive figure for the Scorchers. The amount of dismissal she's taken both catches and stumpings, like she's one of those high value players that I think without them, the Scorchers would have a big, big hole in their team. Absolutely. So I'm sure if she if she re-signs or keeps on playing for the Scorchers, they'll be in and around it next year. So thank you very much, Alice. That was class. So we'll move on. Uh, say better time than never to our young gun. So Alice, so we've gone for our game changer, Beth Mooney. Who is your young gun in the WBBL? Well, speaking of having players that can back up down the lower order, middle to lower order, I've gone for Annabelle Sutherland. Um, She is just screams of one to watch as a young player. Mm. Um, When watching her play, again, to mention the 100, um, but watching her play, um, she reminds me a bit of like a young Elise Perry. Mm. Um, got that ability to score runs, take wickets at key moments. And I feel like she's just going to go from strength to strength, being in that franchise setup and the international setup with Australia from a young age. She's just going to keep keep getting better as she gets older. No, 100%. She, she has the same same kind of 
tall build as Elise Perry. Perry. And he's definitely seeing that batting stance. But I say with the long levers, pretty kind of classical technique, but very strong when she's striking the ball. I'd say very competitive um, boundary percentage this year, 12%. And a strong average when she's batting of um, 34. One slight criticism I have of her is that she she needs to be putting in a couple couple more of those game changing innings. I think she only scored one fifty in 11, 11 innings. So obviously this year's WBBL, you had a couple of games rained off and stuff. But I I could definitely see her in the next couple of seasons, both leading that wicket taking role in their team as well as leading their kind of late order run and that boundary percentage creeping up and up because she's got the levers. And I have to have to say, we were very at the Manchester Originals. We were very happy with when Deandra Dottins bowled a, a slightly loose ball, full on her pads, but she clipped it straight to Amy Safferthwaite when we were playing them at Emirates Old Trafford. I was I breathed out a sigh of relief when she she walked off the field for you know, that day. But she's very much. Where do you see her kind of development in that role? Do you see her very much because the Melbourne Stars have had a I think batting at four. Do you think it's in Australia she'll stay around that role or do you reckon her kind of role stays quite flexible in that unit? I personally see her as more of like a cameo sort of role in the middle to like middle to lower order, like mm. six, seven sort of spot where you've had like your big hitters that have made, gone in, made in innings. And then to be like for that Australia side to be absolutely clinical, if she was to come in at six and seven and just whack it with that, if that boundary percentage keeps going up, like you say, mm. as she develops, then I think it'd be very, very hard to chase an Australian total if she comes in and whacks 30-odd off 12 balls and finishes your game like that. I think she's got that ability in her, um, like you see with a few of the domestic players in um, the English circuit, for example, like the way she goes about her innings in her game reminds me a bit of Danielle Gibson, where mm. she's got that ability with the ball, but she'll come in middle to lower order and just give it a whack. And you think no matter how, as a bowler, you're thinking no matter where I put this ball, you don't know whether she's going to knock it over her shoulder, clobber it over Cal Corner for six. Like it's one of those where you think she's really got that talent to just go after it. Yeah, if she can get on a roll, you're thinking, right, gosh, I'm needing to go back to plan B, plan C and then plan D. I, I I definitely get the reference with the kind of the similar aggressive role at that six and seven for Daniel Gibson. Unfortunately, that I say caused me a bit of heartache on our last game of the season for the Thunder when she scored a, off the top of my head a pretty decent fast fifty in the la- our last Rachel Hayho Flint. So those those kind of plays can really hurt you in those moments that you really want to just if you've bowled well wrap up in innings or. And they just keep, they come at you late in that innings. But if you've bowled, if you've bowled kind of a bit off the lines, a couple of players in the early order have scored high, then you're like, oh, we've got through them a bit. And then Annabelle Sutherland comes to the, comes to the wicket and says, right, I'm going to now add 30 or 15 balls or say maybe a bit more realistic, maybe 20 balls. Those can really hurt you at the back end of a T20 and an ODI. Absolutely. Yeah. I think summed up pretty much exactly what I was trying to get across with um with Anna Sutherland. I think um uh, working with Elise as well in the hundred, I think the two of them a- appear to get on quite well. 
Mm. Um, and she was trying to give us some inside knowledge when we were playing Welsh Fire, but she's just got that. <laughs> she's just got that bit about her where she'll like you could throw in a bouncer at your head or, you know, like Yorker at your toes. She's one of those like fast bowlers as well where you feel like she could have an all round skill set in years to come. No, absolutely. And it, it depends because this year in the WBBL, she was the wicket leading wicket taker for the Melbourne Stars with 21 wickets, averaging at 18 with a slightly high economy of eight, but with a in, with a fairly low like bowling strike rate of around 13. So it, it's where, whether she really kind of leans on one of the skill or the other. And but at the moment, with kind of her youth on it, youth on her side, kind of you can definitely see her going kind of hell for leather for both both sides of the coin with that all round the spectrum you just hope you just hope that injury for example i know elise perry didn't um bowl for you in the hundred because she was still was it a, well she was still kind of coming back from injury and coming back from working into her bowling so you just hope that annabelle a similar kind of thing with annabelle sutherland you just hope she's able to her and the coaching staff around her can manage her load so that she can elevate both her skills. Yeah, I think that's the, the key thing as well, isn't it? Staying injury-free, particularly when you're young, because mm. a big part of our role is that there's a lot of guesswork as to what your opposition lineup's going to be. And if mm. people are good at keeping things under wraps, then you could rock up to a game having prepared for one team. And if certain players are injured, then yes, you might breathe a sigh of relief that one or two big names are out, but if they're bringing in a couple of young guns that have been relatively unheard of that you haven't prepared for, then it makes the life of an analyst um, a lot more difficult. I, I know that very well. I have to say I was very excited when the, um, I'm not too sure if they're doing it next year, but I was very excited when last year they had four overseas because I thought, right, that will really elevate the the strength of the competition, the kind of the scores about to say, we're going to see some really exciting cricket. Well, the fan, the fans are, but then I thought, ah, I need to make it. I need to be deciding whether, and that, that comes into conversations with your coaches and your players. And I think definitely in the build up to our, our kind of game against Birmingham Phoenix, I was talking to multiple different players. All right. Right. Are we sure Elise Perry's not going to bowl? And I'm like, are we a hundred percent sure? So I would I think I would have had a minor heart attack if I rocked up at Edgebaston and Elise Perry was warming up with with her kind of bowling in the nets. It's good to see her in that really quite dominant Sydney Sixers team at the moment bowling again. She's not back to her full kind of well, we ho hope at one day we'll see her full bowling strength, but she's playing really well for that. She's been a she's a past game changer that I've talked about, and it's really exciting to see her back to to kind of rolling in that bowling again but I was very happy to not see her bowling against us and I'll say just to subtly say that Manchester Originals did beat Birmingham Phoenix on that on that day at Edgefaston you had a record crowd in as well that we silenced after taking a couple of early wickets but it was it... the um the role of of defeats unfortunately it's currently 1-0 to to Andrew and hopefully yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can make it one all next season absolutely oh that's a fighting <laughs> tour hopefully I'm very very excited to see see where we both are and when the 100 comes comes along next season right I think we've 
covered Annabelle Sutherland really well there. And I hopefully she can stay injury free and she can really excite us in the next couple of seasons of WBBL and in the next couple of years of fra- women's franchise cricket and international cricket. Right. Now we will go back. To, uh, say We've covered our game changer and young guns. And now we're going to go to our funder minutes. And sadly, it has been pouring fun for the funder. It's been raining our parade. It's been a real struggle this season season for the not the Northwest funder, who I'm currently employed by, just in case anyone got confused, but the Sydney funder, who I've been a long time a fan of in the BBL and the WBBL. With only one win from this season, 10 losses and three rain-affected games, it's not been a great showing for the funder. How do you feel, Alice, that when teams are in this big of a slump, what do you reckon is, is what would you be saying if you were their analyst in the dressing room? I think it's having that skill of weighing up at what point do we stick to what we know and trust what we're good at. And then after how many losses or after how much of a bad run do we think, right, let's throw the rule book out the window. Let's try something new. Let's take the more high risk options and hope that it can bring us reward. Cause I know from experiencing the teams that I've worked with that we'll do something one way for a bit. And if it starts to not work out, you think, right, we've got nothing from doing it the way we thought it should work. So let's switch it up. Let's try something new. And basically as an analyst, I'll be delving into different sort of strategies and different like methods of going about the game in the hopes that we can find a little stat or insight or silver lining, I guess, to try and turn your luck around a bit. Nah, a hundred percent. It is, it is hard to stand in front of, I don't know how you do it at Central Sparks and Berman Phoenix, but at Manchester Originals, we do have a kind of, if I will chat to the head coach and we'll talk about if we do on, on sometimes have a little bit of a debrief and it's hard to stand in front of the team innings, no game after game after game and see those losses and just say, yeah, we haven't bowled how we want to. And we haven't batted how we want to. We're just not playing our cricket. And it is really tough. And it's really tough to be in those those scenarios. It, it's been a tough, tough um, run for Tammy Beaumont and Amy Jones. Only three fifties between the pair and in 20 innings. So it's been it's been hard for the overseas overseas. And I hope and I hope Amy Jones, I can't I can't remember if she was I'm pretty sure she's been picked for the tour onto West Indies, but she'll be wanted to put this um this WBBL campaign behind behind her pretty quickly, I can imagine. Yeah, it's, it's not really gone her way, unfortunately, has it? I think she came off the back of quite a good English summer. And I think sometimes going straight from one competition into another, into another, I think at some point as a professional cricketer, you're going to have to, you're going to hit a bad run of form eventually. And I think traditionally speaking, English players don't always have the best time out in Australia so um, that could be one reason for it but like you say hopefully with this bilateral series over in the West Indies we'll um, we'll turn some form around for some of our big players no absolutely I'm sure she'll be sure she'll be raring to get on the plane to West Indies and it has been an unfortunate one for you and for her and I definitely agree with you Alice it's it's hard with the amount of the, the cricket schedule becoming more and more packed for those um 
for those English players and the, the highest level for the highest level of women players, you are going to have a bad run. And it, it is sometimes just not going to work out. So it, it definitely, it's it's a hard, as a um, Thunder fan, it's a hard thing to see when you do have the, the skill of Amy Jones and the, the kind of excitement of Tammy Beaumont, but still kind of seeing them struggle and, and not score those totals to kind of get you up the table. It's it's really tough to see. Yeah, as you said as well, I think they definitely need to look at the playbook and there's change on the horizon with their captain retiring. More on that in a second. But no, they have no one averaging over 30 in this competition and their highest wicket taker is taking 12 wickets. Now, as I we talked about our young gun for the Melbourne Stars, she took 21 wickets and... That is a wicket taker and a, that's probably the bar around the kind of mid table. And they didn't even they didn't even reach the um, playoffs. So it's kind of we, there's going to be questions asked and, and a, a bit of a rethink in the fund camp. One of the exciting stars out of this quite hard season for the Sydney Funder is Phoebe Litchfield. She's held that opening position. Another left hander for, for the left hander crew, Alice. I'm sure you'd be excited to comment on that in a second, but she's got a, she's got an okay strike rate of 103, and she has a pretty competitive boundary percentage of 16%. She's not scared to go for those ramp shots and kind of create those opportunities opening up, but also she looks to she looked to really go strong down the ground and potentially hit cow corner against the Sydney Sixers, and she's only 19 years of age. So she has plenty of time to develop. So what's one of my exciting players that I'm kind of hoping in the next couple of WBBLs can really elevate the Sydney Funder. Have you seen much of Phoebe Litchfield yourself, Alice? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan of her as well, to be fair. Mm. She's a very exciting young player and overarching memory I've got of her is from um, last WBBL. I think it was her first season in the competition and there's this clip that went viral of her ramping one of the quicks straight over her head for, I think it was for six or something ridiculous like that. Mm. And I remember thinking that girl has got some confidence at that age. And I think it just shows as well, like you can have your stalwarts, you can have your legends of the competition that mm. are always reliable. But when you've got the essence of youth on your side where you go in and you think, what's the worst that can happen? She's just thought, yep, I'm going to ramp her over my head for six. And it's an attitude like that that can change a game for a side. And like you say, if you're in a campaign where it's really not going your way, it can really keep a bit of hope going for for the side that's struggling a bit. No, absolutely. I think it it she is a shining light and there are a couple of other young players that hopefully they can build a solid base around. Now, it, it might look dark for Sydney Sydney Thunder fans, but we're going to be watching them in the BBL when the men get going. And I think they still have a lot of, lot of youth and then maybe a couple of different picks for next year. And they'll be right in, in that pack and aiming for playoffs. Keeping with the Sydney Thunder for the stat of the pod, we're going to talk about Rachel Haynes, an absolute Australian icon and Sydney Thunder captain since around about the inaugural days of the competition. She didn't captain back there, but she's played since the very first WBBL and she calls time on her WBBL career after this week. Just a couple of her baseline stats. As I said, she played in the first year of the WBBL, winning it. She also won the tournament in WBBL 06, 
Over her career in the WBBL, she's averaged 25 with a solid strike rate of 104. Alice, do you have any thoughts on Rachel Haynes calling time on an incredible Australian and domestic career? To be honest, I was quite surprised. I think she's another one of those that's, when you mentioned stalwarts of the Australian domestic game and international game for that matter, she is one of those names that again pops up. And when you think consistent run scorer, she's one of those players. And when I heard that she was retiring, I was like, oh yeah, she's actually been around for a very long time and she can't just keep scoring runs for fun. Um, she's Yeah, she's consistent. Maybe not as um, striking, maybe up there with her boundary percentages and her strike rate, but that consistency and that stability um, in the top order has always been a feature of her game. No, absolutely. And I think the experience and just the level-headedness that she has in a dressing room from the way she talks on interview and the way I've I watched a couple of interviews with her about her next steps in her career and she wants to have a bit of a, a well well-earned break from what she said on interview but she's given so much to the game and so much to the Australian game she started her Australian career in 2009 and she's averaged in the ODI game she's averaged 39.6 with 200s and 1950s so an absolute icon of the game her last um it20 was in birmingham actually at the edge at your home in at edgebaston when she won the women's commonwealth games putting on an incredible first wicket stand with elise healy so right at the end of the career she was still putting in important innings and i'm not gonna lie i think she's gonna whether she comes back and what role she comes back to cricket i still think we're gonna see her in and around the women's game and the international game in general. So what a career and what a player. Just an absolute patron for Australian cricket. Okay, that's that's about it. That's a wrap on our fourth episode. Thank you very much, Alice, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit nervous when I was subtly working out how to record on a Zoom call, but I've really enjoyed, enjoyed your company this evening and I wish you all the best with your winter and all the best with Sheffield United. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been, um, been a pleasure to talk cricket for nearly an hour I reckon <laughs> it's um, a lot longer it's probably this definitely gets up with my longest episodes it's going to be very fun <laughs> editing that's what happens when you got a pair of stats keynotes just <laughs> chatting cricket um for as long as they want but no it's been a pleasure and um I wish you all the success with your future episodes brilliant thank you very much Alice and thank you very much everyone for listening